Welcome to this week's episode of The Branded and Gilded Life. My name is Venugopal Nayar and I'm the CEO of an agency called Ideascape. We are into marketing, branding and design. And these posts or this podcast is a reflection of what I've learned in over 35 years in the business, how it has shaped my thinking and what intrigues me. Hopefully, it will provide some food for thought for you as well. A few decades ago, even a cooker had a user manual and so did grinders and so did every single appliance in the market. They were dry, humorless, factual, but they served a purpose. And what we see today is very different from what used to happen earlier. And that's the first post in today's episode. User manuals versus the user experience. User manuals are dry and factual. They tell you how to use a product, but never how the experience can be enjoyable. But we need user manuals because that's where user experience begins. Take a simple thing like getting the best out of your fridge. The user manual tells you how to make ice, what different compartments are for, and how to maintain the fridge. But personal user experience of fridges tells you how to stack things up inside, how to make out if stuff in the fridge is past its prime and how to remove icky smells. Similarly, take Twitter. It's basically status updates, links and now threads. But people have found that much more can be accomplished. They have found friends, co-founders and collaborators. All through a series of unconnected messages posted on a platform. There have been terrible experiences for people as well. There's no denying that. The question is, how do you find enclaves of tolerance and goodness and make that your bliss? Though Twitter was launched way back in 2006, it's the people who grew with the platform who are able to define and communicate the experience for others. That may work for some, but not for everyone. Tashin has written a blog post which is not a user manual as much as an exploration of the various facets of Twitter. And that's the enriching part. You can follow this or devise your own ways of exploration. There are times when nothing will happen your tweets will be lost in the vastness of the chatter. But the spark of happiness is just around the corner. One of the things that COVID did was to throw a whole lot of supplies out of gear. But we also found that human transportation was just as badly affected. This was written during the time of COVID, which is why it will sound out of date right now. Thousands of flights were cancelled every day in peak holiday season in the US. The reasons given were that crews affected by the Omicron variant of COVID were grounded and sent schedules haywire. But the New York Times found additional reasons that came to the fore. Airlines were badly affected by the pandemic. That led to a government bailout to keep them running. Over $54 billion was paid out. To get the money, they had to accept strict limits on layoffs, dividends, stock buybacks, and pay increase for senior executives. They were, however, permitted to reduce headcount through early retirement, incentives, and voluntary furloughs. They did, and those job cuts have only been partially reversed even when the market revived. Passengers were encouraged to do their own checking and baggage tagging. Optimizing code for doing more with fewer employees became the default for airlines looking to survive. They tried to increase capacity and raise it to previous levels without adding the same ratio of people. For a time, it worked. When the recent wave showed that there was little room for error or even comfort, without spare capacity, there was no room in the system to shift things around. And what started off as a few cancellations went on to become a rolling snowball. Every cancelled flight 
is revenue loss that can't be made up and the fragility of business models and supply chains is being exposed like never before and finally something that is that most people today who don't even know about floppy disk never the computer punch card how computer punch cards launched a giant ibm anyone who's been through a computer science class would have heard about it in a historical what exactly did programming a card mean it was an elegant solution in the late 1800 and transferred as well the problem was tabulating census figures in the us conducted in 1880 it took over 8 years to collate when the first census was done in 1790 only age and sex in the person's name was recorded later occupation marital status education and place of birth was added each parameter added increased the complexity of the data to be processed herman hollerith was the inventor of the punch card and he phrased it this in the 1889 revision of his patent application a hole is thus punched corresponding to a person then a hole according to a person according to whether a person is a male or female another according whether native or foreign born another either white or colored and so on special machinery had to be developed punch holes with accuracy and effect next Horner devised a machine to read the card by probing the card with pins so that only when there was a hole would the pin pass through the card to make an electrical connection resulting in advance of the appropriate counter this accelerated the counting to the point where the entire census tabulation was completed by 1890 just one year later hollerith went into the business selling the technology by incorporating tabulating machine company which went on to become international business machines ibm the semiconductor revolution in computing would take a few more decades if you enjoyed this podcast uh, do write back to me with your views suggestions thoughts and thank you as always for listening the email to write to is vijnair@idscape.in thank you